Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I want to say thank you for listening, and I want to say thank you for leaving reviews at iTunes. Those positive reviews really do help us to gain visibility in the podcast world. Please keep it up. Also, I wanted to remind you that we still have our donation drive going on, that if you give $11 or more, you get 11 free tracks that have never been released before by yours truly. Also, I'm most excited to tell you about this. My latest project, a new DVD and CD called Baseball. Psalms Live, which was recorded live at the Clifton Opera House just a few months ago, is going to be released on March the 1st. You can pre-order it right now by going to rickleyjames.bandcamp.com or you can find the details at my website at rickleyjames.com. You can get the digital download right now or you can pre-order the CD, pre-order the DVD, or pre-order them all together and it's a great deal that's being run right now until we release on march 1st so if you have not pre-ordered yet save yourself a little money go over to rickleyjames.bandcamp.com and pre-order basement psalms live with that being said enjoy today's episode of voices in my head live from springfield ohio it's voices in my head the official podcast of Rick I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back. I am Rick Lee James. I am your host here on Voices in My Head. This is episode number 58. I'm recording this on Valentine's Day, but you'll be listening to it afterwards, so I guess I don't even have to say Happy Valentine's Day. I mean, I already told my wife a Happy Valentine's Day. I already gave her a gift. Uh, by the time you listen to this, you're in the future. So to all you forward-thinking people in the future, Happy whatever day you're listening on. So thanks for being back with us today. It's going to be a great show. As usual, my guests make the show better than I ever could. Today, Randy Cox is going to be with me here. We're going to be discussing songwriting. Randy is a Christian music veteran. He has worked in the field for about 35 years with some of the most amazing talent you have ever seen. Um, If I could just start naming off songs, chances are that he has worked with or written or written with the writers or discovered the writers, uh, signed them to labels. He's just done so much in the Christian music industry. And today's question of the week is actually inspired by someone that he first signed uh, back years ago, the late Rich Mullins. Um, Most of you will probably find this no surprise, but Rich Mullins, to me, is the finest poet of the 20th century as far as Christianity goes anyway. Um, Just a fantastic writer. We lost him too soon. Uh, So today's question of the week is inspired by his association with Rich Mullins. And so I went on the internet and I asked the question, what are your favorite Rich Mullins lyrics? So let's get into question of the week. Question of the week. Well, question of the week, as always, can be answered over at the Voices in My Head Facebook page. It can also be answered at rickleyjames.com. Or if you're feeling extra adventurous, you can call into the Voices in My Head phone line and leave a voice message at 937 505 Just simply leave an audio message and we will play it on the show. So today's question was, what is your favorite Rich Mullins lyric? First off, Gregory Dean Voiles answered... He was a man of no reputation, by the wise considered a fool, when he talked about faith and forgiveness in a time when the strongest arms ruled. 
But this man of no reputation loved the weak with relentless affection, and he loved all those poor in spirit just as they were. He was a man of no reputation. That is a fantastic song, one of my very favorite Rich Mullins albums. That was actually um, released uh, after he passed away, tragically, um, and uh, the Ragamuffins and several other people uh, got together and recorded on that album. It was fantastic. It was maybe my favorite Rich Mullins album of all, but thanks, Gregory. I appreciate you writing that in. I'm just going to call you Greg. We're close enough friends. Uh, Mark Cummins wrote in. He says, great question. Great. <laughs> Let me talk. Easy for you to say. Excuse me. It says, great question, Rick, but so many awesome lyrics to choose from, but here's mine. I know this thirst will not last, that it will soon drown in the song, not sung in vain. I feel the thunder in the sky. I see the sky about to rain, and with the prairies, I am calling out your name. Great, great lyrics. I love calling out your name. Wonderful song. Uh, Daniel Kuntz says, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. Philip Allred says, sometimes by step, because hammer dulcimers rule. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry for coughing. Listeners, I don't mean to do that. Uh, Joe Bell wrote in, he says, first, um, you can thank the Father for the things he has done and thank him for the things he has yet to do. And if you find a love that's tender, if you find someone who's true, thank the Lord. He's been doubly good to you from the song doubly good to you his second uh that joe mentioned was oh come all ye faithful ye lovers come sing his third favorite lyrics are when i leave i want to go out like elijah fourth so if i stand let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through and if i weep let it be as a man who is longing for his home so many great words in such a short life i wonder if my words will ever be as vital to life and faith as his have been to me and uh, and Joe went on and shared that question with other people on his page. Um, I'm finding, you know, these lyrics are so good. They're, again, they're poetry. I mean, you can just read them without the music, and I think they're just as powerful, just beautiful. So, uh, Renee Hamilton wrote in, I like, go tell John that the blind can see and the lame have walked. And she says, that's probably a paraphrase. So, <laughs> uh, Matthew Cole wrote in, says, If I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you from the song, If I Stand. Philip Allred, again, he says, Ah, I just saw lyrics. Whoops. Sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw was lit for me. Chad Kaminsky says that his favorite song is, Our God is an Awesome God. Thanks, everybody, for writing these answers. And I, too, I have a really hard time uh, narrowing it down um, because there are just so many. When At the time of asking the question, I think these lyrics were coming through my head from Rich Mullen's song, Growing Young. Um, and, and the words are, And when I thought that I was all alone, it was your voice I heard calling me back home. And I wonder now, Lord, what was it made me wait so long? And what kept you waiting for me all that time? Was your love stronger than my foolish pride? Will you take me back now? Take me back and let me be your child. And then uh, I just got to finish out the lyric because I've been broken now. I've been saved. I've learned how to cry and I've learned how to pray. And I'm learning that even I can be changed. Uh, What great, great lyrics. So thanks everybody for answering question of the week. I am so glad that so many people still remember and know the songs of Rich Mullins. To me, they are as powerful now as they ever were. They may be even more prophetic at this point. 
Well, that's question of the week for this week. Thank you for answering. We will have another one up next week on the Voices in My Head Facebook page and at rickleejames.com, or you can just go to voicesinmyheadpodcast.com and you can find the question of the week there. Thanks again for playing. Question of the week. Well, it's my belief that all creation in some way or another worships the Lord. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I don't know what it means for a tree to worship God or for an animal to worship God, but maybe they worship him just by being what they were created to be. In the same way, we worship God as humans by being what we were created to be. When we find our place with the Lord, it actually draws us back into our humanity. It actually helps us to invite others back into it. But humans have one unique thing that other parts of creation I don't believe have. We are able to verbalize. And one of my favorite ways to verbalize, whether it be worship songs, whether it be uh, a lament, um, is is just through music. I mean, it's a great thing. And we've already talked about the poetry of Rich Mullins. But when you take that poetry, which is already amazing, and you put some incredible music to it and some melody lines that are very memorable, it can become such a powerful tool for worship. Well, my guest today is Randy Cox. He has worked with so many talented people in the music industry through the years. He's brought so many songs to the church, not only just through his writing, but also through his publishing, that we really owe him a great deal of gratitude and thanks. And he does this because he loves the Lord, not for fame and not for fortune, um, but he's a really nice guy, and I could not be happier to welcome Randy Cox to the program today. He's currently working as a consultant for Lifeway Worship, and he's going to have some great stories to share with us today. So without any further hesitation, here's my conversation with the great Randy Cox. My guest today on Voices in My Head is Randy Cox. Not many people can say that they have been involved in the careers of people as diverse as Bill Gaither, Rich Mullins, Michael W. Smith, Scotty McCreary, Alabama, and Barbara Streisand, but Randy has. With 35 years of experience in developing songwriters and songs, he has a wealth of experience to share. It's my pleasure to welcome Randy Cox to Voices in My Head today. So welcome, Randy. Well, thank you very much, Rick. Good to be here. You are one of the rare people that on this show, we liked it so much we did it twice because the recorder was not working a second ago and we got about five minutes into our conversation and here we go again. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get it right this time. <laughs> um, and as I said before, but I did want to let listeners know again, um, it's it's really a privilege to have you here today. We are lifting up your daughter in prayer. Randy's daughter, uh, just a little over a week ago, was in a very serious automobile accident event, and uh, I know it's been a very difficult time for you and the family, and so I want to thank you for, for taking time to be here, uh, but if you wanted to, again, uh, maybe just give us a quick update on how she's doing. Sure, sure. Um, she had a head-on collision. She lives in Pennsylvania, in central Pennsylvania. She had a head-on um, a week, a little over a week ago, like you said, and she was life-flighted to uh, to the hospital, emergency surgery, internal injuries, broken bones, no head injuries or leg injuries, but it was all centrally located, chest and abdomen. And uh, so she came through the surgery, and yet she was on a ventilator, so they were keeping her alive, basically. Mm. Um, 
you know, we drove, my, my youngest daughter and my grandson and I drove up because it was the only way to, to really get up there in time without dealing with flights and all the rest. So we drove and spent a few days up there, and every, every step along the way we would meet people that were, as I, as I call them, they were angels unaware, hmm. people, that, people that would speak to us, uh, I'm going to pray for you on your journey, I'm going to pray for your daughter, we're going to lift them up. Uh, one person on the phone that I didn't even know stopped and, I mean, on the phone said, can I pray for you, and, and literally did pray for her. So it was that kind of thing, and we've seen her um, day by day, from being in ICU and critical and not knowing if she really was going to make it to, um, you know, fever going away, blood levels normalized, um, no complications. Uh, yesterday she called me. Hmm. So um, she's able to speak. The, the, the um, ventilator is out. She's breathing on her own. Everything's normal. Now it's just a long healing process. So um, I always like to say, you know, it's uh, thank you for praying. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget. And her name is Jody. Um, Jody's my oldest, and it's it's tough. It's tough seeing that. Sure. It's been it's been rough on the whole family. We're we're still exhausted from the trip up and back and during. Really? But thank you for asking. Oh, for sure. And uh, we we just our hearts so go out to you. I as I told you on a message, uh, I'm a I'm a brand new dad, and uh, mm-hmm. the other day we had to to give shots to the baby, <laughs> and even just that, I go, oh, you know, I just want to take it for him. And so uh, just just being where you are, and it's got to be so hard when you're watching one of your own children go through such a hard time. But but praise be to God for His grace and His mercy in the midst of that too. So that's amazing. Cause, interestingly enough. I do remember the first shot that Jody got when she was little, and I remember crying because she was crying. Yeah. And and so you come 41 years later, and uh, you're kind of back where you were with, um, you know, not wanting to see them hurt. Yeah. And it never leaves a parent. Never changes, so... Well, thank you again for being here today. Uh, as listeners know already, as I've mentioned, you've worked with some fantastic artists over the year who, who not only have just been great songwriters, but have really um, expressed what I believe is the heart of God. Uh, none better, in my opinion, than Rich Mullins, who was taken from us way too early, in my opinion. And uh, our question of the week this week, which is answered over at the Voices in My Head Facebook page by many of our listeners, uh, is what is your favorite Rich Mullins lyric? And of course, they have voted, right? <laughs> well, they they kind of vote. They they just write in lyrics on the on okay. Facebook page. Right? Well, if if you're asking me right now, what what are my favorite? There's actually a couple that that really were not the big songs necessarily. But there's one called Elijah um, mm. that was was so wonderful for me because I. I produced the demo with Rich and Piano. And so in the studio, uh, that recording of him, just him and the piano, is the best recording I ever heard. He, mm. They were never able to capture that song once it became a produced, released uh, master. Mm. And that particular demo has been lost in time and space, mm. uh, which is a real shame because I think it would be I think it'd be something worth listening to today. Oh. The other one for me, and a very important song for me, because um, actually it's an interesting thing that, that Rich didn't record it, but Amy Grant did. 
And he actually wrote it. It was his first song that he wrote after Sing Your Praise to the Lord. Hmm. Sing Your Praise to the Lord was an older song that, that I heard on a record of his. And um, then after I signed him and he became a, an artist or whatever, the, before he actually released any records at all on his own, the first song that, that he crafted was a song called Doubly Good to You. Hmm. And it, it was especially meaningful at, at the time for Amy because she had just, she just gotten married and she wanted, she wanted to speak to the fact that, you know, personal relationships and people that love you and people that care for you, if you have that and you have the grace of God and you have the love of God, then thank the Lord. He's been doubly good to you. Hmm. And interestingly enough, one of our listeners did mention that song when they answered Question of the Week this week. It's, uh, it's very, very special to me. Yeah. And there's so many great ones. It's it's almost impossible for me to even <laughs> nail down because every time I think, oh, this is my favorite, you know, there's three others that pop up. And um, I've often said that he is just, was just maybe the finest poet, um, you know, music aside, a brilliant musician, but I could just sit and read his lyrics and, you know, they could that could be my devotions for the day. They're just incredible sure. the way they are. So uh, good stuff. Well, well it's, it, it comes from him being such an an eclectic, quirky guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have any any uh, good stories? I know I've talked to a lot of people that that had been acquaintances with Rich through the years when he was around. Do you have any good stories to share about Rich Mullins? Well, uh, there are some I can't tell. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I really, I I got a chance to work with Rich uh, in the first three years of his both writing career and then in early into his recording career. Mm-hmm. So my three years, I, I uh, started Metagreen Music back in 1981, and Gary Chapman was my first writer, Michael W. Smith was my second writer, uh, Rich was my third writer, and so as he progressed, his management basically wanted to have everything under one, ha- one roof, record management publishing everything so i got the first three i taught him how i literally taught him how to write songs and i and i'm not saying that in an arrogant or 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 boastful way that's what rich said Hmm. um because when when rich came along early on he literally had a, a cd he had done for himself that was basically there was only one real song on it and it was singing praise to the lord yeah and it, it was that classical nature of him to write those kinds of things that have a a phrase that's kind of repetitive. And that's what I found from working with him. He would come into my office, you know, he'd come in town, he would play all the new stuff for me. And then I would say, okay, fine, Rich, you've got three songs here. You've got three motifs. You've got three um, musical hooks here. Mm-hmm. This is not one song. Oh. This is this is the elements of three. You know, these are the elements of three. Now let's let's go with this one first because I think it's the most commercial. Now write a lyric to that. So as he wrote, he would bring in everything to me, come into my office. I had a piano in my office, and he would play for me. And he had and his ideas too. It, it would be you know I've got this idea of this bass movement thing, and um, what do you think of this? And then. We'd uh, talk, and he'd walk around the room, and it was just like, Rich, uh, 
can you come back to earth here for a moment? And <laughs> you could, I mean, you could literally see the wheels turning in his mind and his creative soul. Mm. Um, and, and those were the times that I, I remember so much about him as being, I, I think such a cut above most creative people. And that's why you see the lyrics that are totally unique to Rich Mullins. Mm. There's no one else that can write that. I mean, I look at him as kind of a, the Bernie Taupin, uh, the, the Elton John lyric guy uh, of, our, of our time. Mm. Uh, they come out of left field. I mean, you know, screen door and a submarine. Uh, who in the world? Excuse me, except <laughs> the Beatles, maybe. But, <laughs> but that was him. And, and he started out with these hooks that later became um, what he played on the Hammer Dulcimer. Hmm. They were the, 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 the basic hook of the song. They were a, a motif that, you know, certain songs or certain patterns, and that was an integral element of every song. Hmm. Now, Doubly Good to You was kind of the antithesis of everything else he wrote because it was very melodic, it was very simple and poetic and heartfelt. And, and so it was, a very, it was a great departure so that's why, to me, that song is important because that was the that was the transition song that took him on into Elijah and all the rest, an awesome God and everything else that we know. I I heard an interesting comparison not too long ago, but believe it or not, the chiropractor that I go to here in Ohio uh, went to school with Rich Mullins at Cincinnati Bible College, and they were both studying for ministry at that time. And um, she said, you know, he just kind of reminded me of. Who would I say? I guess Johnny Depp. <laughs> and, well, that's uh, a good comparison, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting because in so many ways, you know, as as an actor, he is such a quirky but very creative person mm-hmm. that just is sort of a cut above. And I thought, well, what a what an apt comparison with him. Yeah, yeah, that kind of moody, creative person that, you know, would really love to just kind of live inside their head. Yeah. Uh, but they've got so much to give, they have to give it. Huh. Well, that's really – I could talk all day about Rich Mullins because he has just been, um, to me, just such an influence. I, um, No matter what season of life I'm going through, it seems like there's something that um, that he has written that I just you know, really find myself relating to. And I'll never forget the day I was up at uh, – I was in college in Nashville at the time uh, watching a, a concert. And uh, it was Stephen Curtis Chapman, actually. It was an outdoor music festival. And they came out and made the announcement that he had just um, he had just been killed in the auto accident. And uh, for the rest of not the rest of the evening, but a good portion, uh, the crowds just began singing some of his worshipful, you know, songs. And uh, and just I thought, wow, what a what an influence, you know, that that this man had. So so I guess we should say in some ways I, I should thank you because you were so instrumental in in you know bringing his music to us. Well, it's not a thanks to me. It's it's just God put certain people in your path. You have you have not only the ability, you have the obligation, and you have a, a kind of a mission in those special people that that you work with. I can't work with everybody, even even the ones I'd like to over the years. Mm-hmm. But but there are certain ones that you commit to. And as a publisher, I'm not about artistry per se. I'm I'm interested in the artistry because their point of communication is the song. If the song sings to the person and the heart, 
and moves people for God, then that's that's the reason I do what I do as a music publisher. But the element has to be that the song has to be good. The song has to be right. And the person behind that song has to be, has to honor God. Hmm. So I, I choose those people who I am fortunate enough to, to have in my path. And God always tells me which ones. I mean, hmm. I know which ones not to work with. I know which ones I wish I could, but I don't have time. Or, no, this is not something that you commit to. You need to commit to what you already have. Hmm. And so I've, you know, over the years I've committed to people that I believed in. Yeah. Well, that's that's wonderful. And I, I know that you have uh, personally been involved in so many songs that have really really come to be a part of our worship in, uh, in not only just in the church in America but I know even when I was in Africa a few years ago and doing some music over there some of the services uh, some different songs that I know you've had a hand in um, whether it be Awesome God or whatever <laughs> had come up and I thought you know what a what a great thing you know to not only just leave a mark on music but for God to be able to allow a person to actually leave a mark to help his church worship him and so with that in mind um, I would love to talk with you some today about songwriting, but specifically about songwriting for the church. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard you do a, a great short seminar not too long ago at Worship 424 in Cedarville, and I uh, got to see some some great friends around there, Craig Adams and different ones that I've gotten to know through the years. Um, and you had some really cool things to say just about songwriting specifically for the church. So I wonder if you could talk with us a little bit today about what makes writing for the church unique as opposed to maybe just writing music for other genres. Wow, you know what? That's a that's probably a year long seminar. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's all put it down. There's two there's two elements. Um, the main elements to me are the desire and the calling to be a musician to give your life to God. Now. Most, a lot of people who think they want to be a art, recording artist uh, really ought to go out and do records and be try to be in the pop world or whatever else they want because they really want to be about the showbiz. Mm-hmm. And Christian music is is enough about the showbiz, and we have to eventually that element has to be has to be delivered. Mm-hmm. Um, what we have to do as as it always started, it started with the church. The music of the church was was very distinctive to the church. And I'm a, I'm a church I'm a church music major from college. I'm a former minister of music for many years. Uh, I've been involved with the church at every. I've actually been involved with everything from United Pentecostals to Catholics, hmm. and, and literally everything in between. Because the music that I personally am involved in and feel as though I need to sh- I need to help share that with the church is not limited to a denomination independent a denomination an, a, a group of people or whatever writing for the church is a ministry and it's about servanthood first mm-hmm. and and if you're a player in the church and God really lays on your heart this is where I'm supposed to be whether it's this church or whether it's just in ministry per se you really have to know that this is not about you, this is not about your guitar playing, this is not about your voice, 
This and it's not about your songwriting if you're a good songwriter. This is about being a servant to God in the local church. Hmm. And it's not about getting in front of everybody and having, you know, pyrotechnics and fifteen piece bands and being on T V and all the rest. You want to do that? Go. That's 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 something you do. God's about moving the hearts of his people and I, I personally see more people moved that are on their knees as opposed to being on their chairs. Mm. Wow. And and writing for the church is about putting people connecting people from this Sunday to the next Sunday every day. Hmm. They've got to go out of worship wanting to know him better on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and the rest of the week. Otherwise, they have had an emotional experience. So the, the songwriter's job is to bring the body of Christ together and not fragment it. So sometimes guys that like edgier stuff have to remember that there are people my age in the church that may really want to hit, hear a hymn. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and those elements have to be a part of, of the writing process as you're writing. This is not just writing for yourself or being cool. If you want to get recordings, if you want to get your songs in other people's records, then you write good songs and people hear about them. Hmm. That, and I, I'll have to say, you know, as someone who's been leading worship for the better part of 15 years now, and I've, I've been at my... Uh, church in some capacity for over 11 years now, uh, we've got a wide variety of ages there. So when I present a song or even try to write a song for my congregation, it's one of the most um, it's one of the most challenging and yet rewarding things because when you have those <laughs> cross generational things that go on, um, it, it's like what do, what do we want to say today? To God that we can all say together in some way. Yeah, and and without forgetting the fact that it, so many things are, uh, so many songs particularly are, are are so vertical that we that we forget that we are the body mm. and we need to be involved in in interactivity with ourselves. Sure. So it's it's not all about Lord, you are holy. It's about um, Lord, make me holy. I like the aspect of singing prayers mm. rather than just the vertical worship. Then you get people's hearts involved and not just their ears. Mm. Uh, it's, it's really about, as, as a fifth, fifth century writer wrote, listen with the ears of your heart. Mm. And without that, all you're doing is taking in and probably most of it's not staying. And you're only singing in worship to God. There is a there's an element where we're supposed to worship Him in silence. We're supposed to be connected to Him on a daily basis through His Word. We need to hear Him. And how do we hear Him? We hear Him in silence. Hmm. Wow. There there are times that um, they can only be described as just the the movings of God upon his people in the church. And sometimes that's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what song was played. It's just <laughs> the Lord that does. But there is something very special about, and I don't know exactly how this works, but there are just some songs, it seems, that God just has his hand on, too. And and it's it's like, wow, he was in the writing of this in some ways. And, you know, whether it be like a, 
in Christ alone by the Gettys or uh, whether it be something like uh, a blessed be your name or even even a song like and can it be you know from our hymnal there's oh. something that that God I believe is just working through and and the music can become not just a tool for worship but can actually become this channel almost like this you know power line that God just seems to move through straight to the heart of his people and that transformation begins to come and and I guess that's why you know songwriting can be such a powerful thing um now now with that in mind and we're thinking about some of these great songs and things um, I wonder, uh, I, I, and I often wonder this, it's not just a question for you, it's a conversation I have with many of my friends who write songs and who are leaders in the church. Um, what role does like our theology about God um, play in the process of maybe writing some of these songs and bringing it to the church? Because I've often wondered, you're, you're a music publisher, and so oftentimes music publishers are looking for, you know, the craft of the song and how well it is to sing and things like that. How much time is spent in actually, um, you know, asking these questions? Is this something that actually is theologically sound, I guess? It, it's probably, as at the same time I'm listening to a song, for instance, writer brings in a song or sends a song, uh, the first thing I'm listening for is, what does it do to me? And the combination of music, lyric, and theology—they're—they're all—they're all in tandem. Without—without uh, without the right theology, and I think we could pretty much all say we know some situations where theologically there may be some questionable um, lyrics or concepts. But I look at it as that's part of my challenge and part of my responsibility as a music publisher, not to let something go out that has any inkling of non-scriptural theology. Hmm. It has to be solid, but it has to be interesting. Hmm. Theology, I will call somebody on in a heartbeat. I will say, let me, let me throw this at you. This is, this is a line or this is a phrase that I really think some people may have an issue with, because it's a, even though it's creative, it's a little cloudy, and it's got to be a clear sky. Hmm. You only sing what you really, what you really can stand behind theologically. Sure, that's the major element. After that comes the musician part. Hmm. And and you know it's interesting too. I, in a conversation I had one time with Keith Getty, we were talking about this role of theology, and and I asked him. I said, you know, you you must have some sort of like you know education in theology, you know, or something like that, mm -hmm. because your songs are so in depth. And I was so surprised when he said, no, I have no formal education whatsoever. He said, actually, I was a terrible student. He said, what I've actually done though is, um, I try to align myself with people who who are very good in that you know and I, and like you said expressing prayers or whether it would be ancient things of the church or things like that that we use as influence um i i just you know i, I think it we can't place enough importance on this because what the faith we sing is the faith we live i i really truly believe that and uh you know or it I, should. I or it should <laughs> it should that's right it should but I, I find it to be, you know, whenever I'm trying to write a song or select a song, I, I oftentimes want to ask this question, is this something that the church can sing with confidence? 
that it can mm-hmm. remind us about who God is and then also about who we are in God, you know, and something that will actually, you know, kind of stick with us and, and go to those places. Uh, well, it's, those Both of those are very, very important. And Keith, Keith and I go back to the early days when he would come over from Ireland and he and I would get together and we'd always meet at a Cracker Barrel and we'd sit at the Cracker Barrel and he'd bring me his new lyrics that he had written, you know, while he was over in Ireland and I would edit his lyrics. <laughs> and, and, and I can't be, I, honestly, I can't be specific about his you know, song titles or whatever. I don't, I don't remember seeing any theological things that I would question, but I, w- I would challenge him, uh, do you really want to go here? Do you really want to do this rhyme pattern? Or maybe we should take out the bridge. Or maybe this line ought to be so-and-so. And in that process, you get to see what people are made of. Sure. And and Keith is is one of those guys who, again, is pro- he's probably the second quirkiest guy <laughs> after Rich. Um, but I love him. I love he and Kristen. I just love him dearly. Um, I I saw him uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and it's just been it's been just it was just wonderful to catch up. You yeah. know. That's um, great. So anyway. Well, and I, I think that process you're describing, too, is there's a lot of parallels even to our own spiritual journey with each other. And you made reference to before, you know, our songs are often just, you know, straight up to God, vertical, but we sometimes forget about the congregation dynamic or what it means as the body of Christ together. I think that songwriting is one of the the most apt metaphors for growth on the Christian journey I can think of. Um, There's been several times that, you know, I'll bring a song to a friend or or somebody who is, you know, a professional writer, and um, you'll come in with this song, and at first you're going, well, I hope they like it. And then at first they'll be real gracious and like, okay, that's good, but but we could make it better, you know, <laughs> and and it could do this. And so at first, it's almost like this process of, uh, here, look at my baby and tell me if it's ugly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Then, and how we can fix it. That's right. But then what that turns into is is like, well, let's see how we can make this even better until, you know, the end result is something that's much more beautiful. Um, I, I did... Um, some writing re- recently with my friend Eddie Kirkland, and he he's such a, a good songwriter. He's so good at taking what you have and forming it. I feel like so often that's the way that God does with us. I don't feel like God is a judgmental, vindictive type. You know, I'm pointing this thing out in your life, and you fix it now or else. I feel like God's almost like you know this master creator that we come to, and He's actually begins forming and shaping and saying, you know, this is an okay song your life's an okay song right now but we could really transform it we could really make it so much better so i think songwriting is is such a beautiful way of looking at that spiritual walk that is a really really good perspective rick that is uh i i personally could not have said it any differently it's 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 vitally important it's really really truly important i have always said that a song is not the song it can be until it's finished. And the finished process is a process of editing and listening. Hmm. What is God saying in this line? Do I really want to say that? Do I really want to say that God asked me, God God told me to write this song. God gave me the song. I have heard more bad songs that God gave. (laughs) And, of course, there's this thing around, you know, we've said for years, you know, well, God gave it to you because he didn't want it. And... (laughs) 
and I, th- I think that's true in a lot of places. People get in an emotional, emotional uh, uh, attachment to what they've written, and they feel so emotionally attached to it that it has to be God. Yeah. But the problem is that creatively, it's not something to share with everybody. Maybe it was just for them. Mm. And knowing the difference between the songs that are given to you for a time in your life, they're given to your family for a time in their lives, or to your church in a broader broader pattern of uh, waves, in other words, like you drop a pebble in, the, in a lake and you see the, the waves come out, you know? The, the extension of those things are first, is it given to you? Secondly, is it given to a little big, bigger group? Then is it given to your church? And then is it given to the world? And you know because of people's reaction, not your mom and your grandmom and your, your you know, guitar player at church or your pastor or whatever. You can't believe any of them. Right. You get, there's, a, there's, a bigger, um, there's a bigger ceiling. There's a bigger dome. Uh, there's a bigger purpose for the ones that are supposed to have it. Sure. But knowing the difference is is key. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. I love that you mentioned that about you know God gave me this song and uh, that I liken it to uh, you know Gary Henneke who pastored Nashville First Church of the Nazarene for many years has a great story about how um, on Sunday morning and there's several you know thousand people in this church. It's not just you know a, a small place. <laughs> right. Uh, and some and somebody walked in one Sunday I guess with a briefcase. And he came up to the platform just as uh, as you know middle of service, and he started walking up on the stage, and uh, and the pastor stopped him and said, "Can I help you?" And he said, "Yes, I I have a message from the Lord. I need to speak <laughs> to the people." And uh, and the pastor said, "Well, I'm God's mouthpiece here, and He hasn't told me, so you need to go sit down." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, I I thought, isn't that interesting? Because we kind of do that with songs often. Sure. Oh, like, yeah. Like oh, and if we say, "Well, God gave it to me." then you can't say anything about it. But uh, truthfully, I, I think God gives us those those things often together. And one thing that, in, in my estimation anyway, thinking about writing for the church, is um, it really does have to be something that God has given us together. And I really feel like when, when the Lord gives us a message, it's for the good of all His people and not just for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it's, it's great to have these conversations and, and talk in this way, so... Well, I I know we're uh, we're going on just a little over a half hour in our conversation, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I wonder if you could share um, a quick story with us. Uh, when I got to hear you speak a few weeks ago at the conference, you were telling me, well, not just me, telling this room of people, um, a great story about a song that Scotty McCreary recently recorded, "Christmas in Heaven," and uh, it's just such a wonderful story, and and uh, just kind of tells us a little bit about what you do behind the scenes for people if they don't know. Would you mind kind of sharing that story with us? No, I'd be glad to. I think it's it's one of the God stories that I can always, I will always look back on this moment as being uh, ordained. Hmm. Uh, and I don't say that very often. I mean, I can I can look back over years and say, okay, Holy Ground, I knew was a song. I knew How Majestic Is Your Name and Thy Word and, you know, a litany of other songs sure. via Dolorosa. You know, all all those you know a song. If if you miss those songs, you really got a problem. Hmm. But what to do with them? 
is is what I consider a major job of the publisher. Last year, I became a consultant for the music publishing division of Lifeway. And Lifeway is obviously the, the denomination of that is the Southern Baptist Convention. So there's you know 30,000 churches out there um, that are, are, are doing music of all kinds, whether it be Lifeway songs or whatever. Well, in the once I came on board last um, May of last year, my first task was to find out what songs Lifeway had. Uh, I met the writers early on. They have uh, about a dozen staff writers that are just honestly amazing. But I had to go back into the catalog. I had to go back and, and start digging out the nuggets of, you know, what are the songs in here? What are, what are songs that have maybe just a a beginning scratch, you know, rough demo, or have a full demo, or have an actual recording. Is it choral? Is it, you know, whatever. So in the process of discovery, I found, among other things, the song Christmas in Heaven that was on a, um, a choral project, interestingly enough. Huh. It was a short musical, Christmas musical. And Christmas in Heaven, the recording, was... was the, the it was recorded as a as a moment in a musical, and one of the co-writers, Jeremy Johnson, sang it, and then it was orchestrated. So it was, you know, the singer and an orchestra. And I heard the song, and then I heard um, Jeremy, uh, Paul Marino is the co-writer, and I heard Jeremy Johnson's real version of it, the scratch version of it, okay. and I knew at that point that it was a hit song. Hmm. And and I, I I have a sense about songs, so I I know when I can say this song is really special, and this song is average, and this song is good. This was great. Hmm. So in the process, I found that song, and I'm going, okay, I've got to find something to do with it. We interestingly enough had a uh, writer's showcase where we invited people around town came in, we had a group of writers on, on stage, and I specifically asked Jeremy Johnson and Paul Marino, who were singing that night, you guys have got to sing Christmas in Heaven. Now, I don't know why, but you've got to sing Christmas in Heaven. Hmm. Everywhere you guys go, if you get a platform, you sing Christmas in Heaven, because I promise you it's a hit song. Hmm. That night, uh, not only was Brett Paisley's dad there, but one of our other writers, Kirk Kirkland, Heard the song that night, had a contact with the music director at a church where Scotty grew up. And I found out that while I was at Ridgecrest, I was teaching some classes at Ridgecrest, and they said, Scotty McCreary is doing a Christmas record, and his friend Kirk did, and he said, maybe you ought to send it and just try to get it to him. So I immediately got on the phone, and, I mean, got on my, my uh laptop and emailed it to the minister of music at his church hmm. who has been instrumental in his life from the time he was in children's choir hmm. and that was a thursday i got back to the office from ridgecrest on friday i had an email from her saying i played it for scotty because i've heard other songs that i you know other people friends have sent let's say that mm-hmm. and she said this is amazing song. I would not have played it for Scotty had not this been special. Hmm. He loved it. 
he said he didn't even get through a whole verse and chorus and said, it's on the record. Wow. <laughs> and then the next day, they cut the tracks for his Christmas record. Hmm. And spent the next few days recording the Christmas record. And as I found out afterwards from Scotty, I met, I actually got to meet Scotty uh, here in town. And he told me, he said he was, he was recording, he was doing a record which was really going to be traditional Christmas carols, mm-hmm. but he, he wanted a couple of new things. He had one new song. He was writing a song called Christmas in Heaven. Hmm. And it was because his grandfather had died recently, and apparently this man was really, really influential in his spiritual life, in his personal life, and he was thinking about what's happening in heaven at Christmas. Hmm. You know, is my grandfather, you know, is he whatever, whatever. And he said when he got it, it was as if God said, this is your song, and what you were thinking, put aside, because this is everything you need to say. Hmm. And all throughout the holidays, the, the record was released in October last year, He everywhere he was asked, he said, Christmas in Heaven is my favorite song on the record. <laughs> and of course, you know, this is American Idol winner. This is, sure. you know, a guy that sang, that sells so many records. So the influence of what he had to say in that song spoke to a lot of people that have no faith base. Yeah. But you can't miss the faith in it. Hmm. Wow. So it was a big hit at Christmas. It was a huge record um, 600,000 in two months. Wow. And will be next year. Somebody else will record it. And I'm going to get, as a publisher, my job is not only get the first recording, but that's the first recording. What's the second? What's the third? What's the fourth? Sure. What's the thousandth recording? Hmm. And that's, that's how I perceive a song. The, the, the first recording is only the first recording. Wow. Well, that's great. I, I appreciate you sharing that story, and I know our listeners will. We have several writers that listen to Voices in My Head, and um, I know they're going to love this episode today. Um, I just want to say thank you again, and if is there anything that in closing today that you would like to share with listeners? I, I always give people a chance to plug websites or, or anything that they want to give, and if you don't have anything, that's fine, but I wanted to give you a chance if there was any kind of closing things you wanted to leave the listeners with. <laughs> Uh, to be real honest, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really promoting anything. I am, I, I think probably the only thing I want to promote is that people start first with their time with God and listen with the ears of their heart Mm. and what they hear, they may have to, in our earthly stage, write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite because it's not just poof the song is born. Mm -hmm. It's poof and poof and poof and poof, (laughs) and you're worn out maybe and tired of it, but it's it's not finished till it's finished. And for those out there, look at the spiritual element of your heart first and then write songs and learn what's for you and what's for sharing. Hmm. Very good. Well, thank you again, Randy, for being one of the voices in my head today. Well, I definitely have voices in my head, so I really appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's been a pleasure, and uh, you and I will be in touch. All right. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. 
If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.